Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello and welcome to another edition of Ayers on the Road or Ayers on the Family or Ayers on Marriage. We're actually going to be launching a little further into a series that we call the Top 20 Marriage Tips. And we don't take that lightly, Linda. We've been watching marriages and um, observing marriages, trying to find out what makes them work. And we've been experimenting with our own marriage for about 50 years. Well, we have. (laughs) And uh, we have also eight marriages in our own immediate family that we've been able to observe. And actually, we should have them on the show once in a while because they... um, are doing a great job. Oh, yeah. If you wanted a variety of different marriage styles, you couldn't do much better than our eight married children. Every one of them has such a unique relationship. No two of them are alike. Exactly. It's absolutely wild. And uh, there's no way to do it perfectly because you got to figure it out on your own. And uh, we have to start out today by saying, we have a perfect marriage. You know, we, <laughs> we've never had any conflicts. We've never had any or disagreement or anything. We're like, like clones that. of each other. We're so, so uh, much the same. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, we do have some friends who have a much not happier but a different kind of marriage because they are so much the same. Oh, you're just saying they, they don't agree. fight as much as we do. I, I'm kind of saying I that, think their yeah. marriages are boring. Yeah, you should not say that on the radio, um, darn. But, it, you know, it really is totally different when you have two very strong-willed people or uh, very two very mild-mannered people. And, you know, then there's no right way. It's well, just you have to figure out your best I, way. I think that makes a good point to start out with, is that they're, they're, it's, it's difficult giving marriage advice, especially... Um, on a radio show or on a, on a podcast or something for the simple reason that there is no one size fits all. Every marriage is unique. Every marriage has two people who are unique individuals and every marriage has to kind of find its own way. But having said that, we do think there are some principles or some um, sort of paradigms that really make sense and that people need to think about. And as we said last week on the show, most of us don't think enough about our marriages. We, we, we think about them when something's wrong or when we're in a conflict or when we're worried about something, but we don't think about it on an ongoing basis. We talked last week about how parenting is sort of a, a, it's, a it's a verb. It's, a, it's something we think about a lot. There's a lot of books on it. It's a science. And, and there is no sort of corresponding word. We don't say, how are you doing on your marriaging? You know, and so that's why we're we're doing this little mini series and we won't do it every single week. But over time, we'll get through what we've sort of delineated as the top 20 sort of tips or ideas or concepts or ways to think about marriage that seem to have a universal application. And we don't take credit for all of them. We've been sort of doing this kind of speaking to parents and to marriage partners for a long, long time. And we've observed a lot of things. And and the one we're going to do today, which we call top 10 marriage tip number two, uh, has a little alliteration. It's the idea that we need to learn to relish 
rather than resent or resist the differences that we have between us. And that's a pretty important thing. No matter who you are, you're a unique individual, your spouse is a unique individual. And the question is, do you resist and resent and, and, and sort of wish those differences weren't there and wish you were more the same? Or have you learned to make those things synergize and to make them work together so that the sum of the, the total is greater than the sum of the parts? <clears throat> right. Um, we have just passed our 49th anniversary. And uh, because we've been thinking about that a lot, I think I'm going to start out this morning by telling a story uh, that really personifies what we're saying, how we would do things totally differently. Um, but usually it ends up that each of us is right about half the time. <laughs> and so <laughs> that means one or the other of us is always right. <laughs> right. That's right. Um, the on our wedding day, uh, we were married in Logan at the oldest temple there, and we drove over Logan, to Mount Clear, Idaho, which is my hometown. And we had a little reception there at the church, and it was so lovely. And lots of friends and my bridesmaids were all dressed in purple and blue. It was absolutely it was, amazing. It was hokey, <laughs> <laughs> really hilarious. Um, so we had really fancy re refreshments, though, compared to usual, because we had um, not only a brownie and a drink, but we had a little bit of fruit in a cup, too. So <laughs> it was really fancy. And so um, it really was so fun. But then afterwards, Richard blindfolded me and got me in the car and drove me around in circles for a little while. It was our honeymoon. We're off on our honeymoon. And this is old beat-up car. And... Uh, we are off for our honeymoon, and he had not told me where we were going. So we drove and drove and drove, went on a dirt road for a little while and kept turning around so I'd be totally confused. And finally stopped and get I, I was me pretty out. sure she'd think we were going to Sun Valley. I was pretty sure we were going to Sun Valley. <laughs> but anyway, um, he got me out, and we walked just a little way, and then he took my blindfold off, and I was standing in a field of sagebrush. And my first thought was, Oh, great. We are having a honeymoon camping <laughs> out in this sagebrush right here. And then he turned me around and about 50 feet away was Bear Lake. And I thought, oh, well, at least we're Bear Lake where there's a little bit of water. And then he looked at me and I said, what? And he said, this is our land. And I was blown away. I said, this is our land. We have no money, no money. And he said, well, your mom gave me your insurance policy and I cashed it in for $1,200 and we bought this little piece of land. It was just a little square of land at Bear Lake. <laughs> and I have to admit, my first thought was, oh, wow. I can't believe you didn't talk about this first because we are going to be starving students in Boston next year. Maybe we should have saved it. But that's just my nature. So your point, nature. your point is... <laughs> My point is, we do things totally differently. But in that case, you were right. Oh, I thought your point. I thought your point was going to be, um, you, you have to, you have to gradually learn that your spouse has a lot of idiosyncrasies that you didn't know. <laughs> right. Well, that too. But <clears throat> I kind of knew you were crazy when I said yes. But uh, that was part of the allure because um, I knew I was going to have an exciting life. Anyway. It was really an interesting beginning of our marriage because it, 
it's kind of been like that for the last the next forty nine years. You right? mean you mean I've constantly <laughs> surprised you with wonderful things, right? <laughs> <laughs> Always wonderful, um, but uh, sometimes interesting, sometimes creating temper tantrums, and you know, going on from there. Now I want to tell another story, and and uh, you listeners know we usually don't coordinate what we're going to say on the radio. We sometimes learn new things just by listening to each other while we're talking to you. But we're going to tie these stories together a little later. This is a story that happened maybe two or three years. Well, a little more than that, maybe five years after the story Linda just told. We were at Harvard Business School. I was a student there and I uh, it was the beginning of sort of the radical feminist movement in the Ivy League schools. We only had two women in our section at the school. Our section had like 80 students and only two were women. That's very different now. If you were to go to Harvard Business School today or Harvard Law School, there are as many women as there are men. So I guess that makes the point that the women's movement has had some success over the intervening years. But the story I want to tell you had to do with um, uh, a case study that we were doing <clears throat> in class that day. And the two women who we had in our section were, were really strongly radical feminists. And every case study that came up, they wanted to turn it into a platform to talk about equal pay for equal work and to talk about how women need to rise up in corporate organizations and so on. And they made a lot of good points. I was in, in sympathy with them most of the time, but sometimes they'd go a little too far and it began to be one of those things where women are not equal unless <clears throat> they are the same as men. There can't be any differences. The minute you have a difference, you've got a problem, you've got inequality and so on. And they were a little strident about it. And I just remember this one day when this discussion got a little too far and I, I had a French classmate. Do you remember Dominique? A fellow named Dom course, Dominique yeah, Mars, one of my best friends from Paris, France. And he had just had it and he stood up and spontaneously gave one of the most magnificent sort of defenses of the beautiful difference between men and women. And he started out, of course, by saying, viva la difference. And he talked about how sameness is not the same thing as equality. And he talked about if you have a company and you have a, a vice president of marketing and you have a vice president of production, they can be equal, but they don't have to be the same. And he just made this marvelous statement about how equality and sameness are not one thing and how we should appreciate the difference between men and women. And I thought, wow, that's a marriage lesson. What we need to do within our marriage is to say, to be equal, we don't have to do exactly the same things. We can sort out what works best within our relationship. And for, with each other. I mean, it really is pretty interesting that I don't know if there's ever been anybody. Well, there probably not. a lot of you out there are like, yes, I'm I'm just as strong-willed as my husband is, but we um, we do everything differently. We look at the world differently. We see solutions differently, and um, it really is part of the electricity of marriage is trying to figure out what works for both of us. Yeah. Do you think, Linda, that uh, 
I mean, this is this is a test of our memories because, you know, we are in our 50th year of marriage. But looking way back to the early years, do you think that we sort of wished each of us individually that we were more alike and that did, did you spend a lot of time? Do you remember thinking, man, I wish I wish Rick saw this the way I did or I wish Rick did this more the way I do or I wish he sort of viewed the world more the same as me or had the same approach to solving problems. Do you remember thinking, I wish we were more alike? Well, I absolutely not, but I do remember wishing that you were a little bit more like me. That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. what I mean. No, but, but I mean, you know, not that I was more like you, I was what I'd say, um, <laughs> but it really is interesting that boy, no, I would not uh, really want to. Well, there are some attributes that you have that are really important that I have learned to be more like. And I think you do that in a marriage. You become more like your spouse as you go through. Um, you might resent some things more, but other things you think, you know, I need to be more like that. There's so many ways to look at this and so many metaphors for it. Like if you're a sports fan, uh, football season's coming up, okay? And and would you want all of the people on your team to be the same? Would you want the the linemen to have the same skill set as the quarterback, for example? Or would you want the defensive end to have the same abilities or do the same things well as the wide receiver? I mean, it's just a team always is made up of different parts that each have their own particular way of doing things in their own set of skills. And I, I, what we're saying is we wish we could all look at our marriages that way and, and, and view our partner and be appreciative of the things that she does better than we do or the things she thinks that would never occur to us or the way she views certain things that, that are sort of foreign to us but that we can learn from. So the whole idea of today's thought is we just need to sort of work with ourselves so we relish those differences rather than resist them. Well, it's a really interesting topic, and we wish you were all here with us so we could talk about this together. But we're going to take a little break for a minute, and then we're going to come back and see if we can possibly figure out the solution to all these issues. So hang on. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back. We are talking today about marriaging. And for those of you who just joined us, and uh, we have gone through some pretty funny stories from our own marriage. And uh, we have actually just begun our 50th year of marriage, which is scary. How can we possibly be that old? I don't feel like I'm 50 yet. You, wow. You don't even look like you're 50. Oh, I Did do. you get married when you were zero? How could, <laughs> how could this possibly be? <clears throat> now, but the whole idea today is relishing rather than resisting the differences you have between you and your personalities and your outlooks as spouses. And I want to I throw a little challenge out at this point, Linda, and then have you comment on it. Um, a long time ago, we had a, a wise mentor who said, you know, 
the problem with a lot of marriages is that they they think they have to sort of each expend 50% of the effort. And it's like someone saying, I'll meet you in the middle. I'll come 50% towards your viewpoint and you come 50% towards mine and we'll sort of become united and we'll get together. And this mentor said, you know, you've got to, you've got to get rid of that. You've got to be willing to go 90%. You've got to, you've got to be willing to be the one who gives in. You've got to be the one who resolves the problem, even when you're not getting any help from your spouse. And, and then he, then he gave us a very specific, he gave me a very, this, this was someone Linda didn't really know at the time. And he gave me a very specific challenge. He said, I want you to go home. And he said, I want you to stop thinking about the ways that you would like Linda to change. I'd like you to stop thinking about the ways that you wish Linda was more like you. And I'd like to give you two challenges. I want you to take a piece of paper and on one side of it, I want you to write at the top, Linda is, colon, Linda is. And then I want you to make a list of the things that you have observed about Linda, the things that make her who she is. Linda is stubborn. Linda is strong-willed. Linda is amazingly empathetic to other people. Linda is able to see things that I miss. And he said, just take your time. You don't have to do this all at once, but make a list of what Linda is and try to have it include the things that you love about Linda. So you're, you're making a descriptive list sort of with bullet points of all the things that you appreciate about Linda, all the things that are unique about Linda, all the things that you, that you have observed about her and about who she is. And, and he said, don't, don't put, I, I wish Linda was this, or I wish Linda was that. Try to be very, very objective and really list the things that Linda really is. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll try to do that. I could see where he was going. And then he said, then turn the page over. And on the other side of the page, put at the top, Linda needs. Linda needs, N-E-E-D-S. Linda, that mean Linda needs to change this? No, 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 that, no, that, no. Right. The things that Linda needs in order to be happy, the things Linda needs in her life, for her life to be full. So he said, you're not thinking about yourself. You're not, you're not saying just what you, you're not doing, just what Linda pointed out. You're not saying Linda needs to take better care of me. Linda needs to think more like I do. That's the exact opposite. You need to put Linda, what does Linda need in order to be her best, fullest, happiest, most fulfilled self and make that list. And he said, keep that. This was what was interesting. He said, don't share that with Linda. This is your unilateral effort to make a difference in Linda's life, to make her life happier. So you start with Linda is, and you make that list, that description, you turn the page over, Linda needs, and you write down those things. And you know, I did that, and I did it over a period of several days, and actually even weeks, and I kept it in a little drawer that I had in, in our little desk in Boston where we lived and I didn't share it. I just worked on it and thought about it. And a very interesting thing happened. Uh, two interesting things happened. And I really want to make a strong point of these. Number one, 
I, it, it helped me to start thinking more about Linda and her welfare and her needs and a little less about my own, which I was a very selfish person, I think. And so that was a, a really interesting thing for me to do. And number two, it started me doing what we're advocating as the title of this show today. It started making me relish the things Linda was different uh, on than I was. Like when I was making this list, Linda is, and I was writing the things that that Linda is and that she, her characteristics and so on. And I was realizing how different they are than mine, how different her skill set, her, her strengths, her assets, how unique they are and how different they are than mine. Like I, you know, I couldn't do this the way she did. I, I don't have the empathy Linda does. I don't have the sensitivity Linda has. I don't have the taste that Linda has in, in, in decorating or in, in art or in, in, playing the violin and so on. And I just started realizing, wow, I've lucked out here. I've married this person that has these amazing abilities that are so far from me that they're like on a different planet. And and without really realizing it at the time, what was happening is I was moving away from the natural tendency to think, why can't Linda be more like me? Why can't she think more the way I do? I was going in the opposite direction. I was thinking, isn't it great that, that Linda can do all these things that I can't. We can be a team because she has so many abilities that I don't have. And I think that was one of the best things that any mentor has ever told me. And I still have that paper, by the way, with the Linda needs on oh, one side. Someday you're going to share that with me. And you've seen it now. You know, we've gotten to the point where, you know, I don't keep it a secret anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to take another look at that. That's been a, a while since I saw that. But um, on the same, on the flip side, I think it's important for um, the woman or the other spouse in the, in the partnership to think um, about what, it is that you love about your spouse. I mean, why did you marry them? Why, why did you think this is the person for me to live with for life and forever? And, um, and I, I wrote down a lot of, uh, of ideas and interesting. The first one among this was ideas. I married him an idea, man. He has an idea every day about how to do something different or new or whatever. And after a while, that kind of gets exhausting <laughs> after yeah, yeah. every day. And and to the point where, you know, when we're driving in a car, he can't talk about ideas and go fast at the same time. So <laughs> he ha- I have to keep reminding him, get over in the right lane. <clears throat> People are passing you on both sides. Get get over so we can talk. But he can't. He is so focused on ideas that that is all that he can think about. And in in the process, that kind of becomes annoying, you know. I'm sorry, honey, but um, there are so many ideas that we haven't even finished the last one before we start the next one. So I find myself thinking, wait, wait, let's not start another idea, another idea. So then what I've realized through the years is really, truly, the thing that kind of irritates me sometimes in our relationship are the things that I love the most about Richard. And... I have to keep reminding myself of that because I wouldn't want to change that for anything. 
um, it's just really an interesting process that you have to go through. Well, I think you've actually hit on the very the very core message of today's show, and is that uh, you know again we we call it relishing rather than resisting the differences you have between you. But you used an interesting word. Um, if you're of one mindset, then then things that are different about your spouse from yourself become annoyances. You're annoyed. You're irritated. You're you're sort of frustrated by some of those things and by making this mental flip in your mind and saying, no, 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 that's the thing that is good. The, 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 the fact that we're different is a good thing. That's what allows teamwork. That's what allows synergy and so on making that, that switch, because I think the natural human tendency in any relationship is, you know, we want people to be compatible with us. We want them to think the way we do. We want them to sort of overlay with our own sensitivities sure. and skills yeah. so that we're sort of the same. And and that's what we're suggesting you try to get past today. You try to say, no, 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 we're not both the, 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 the running back. One of us is the wide receiver. One of us is this other person. Or and the quarterback. Yeah. Or the reason. Yeah. The reason. Well, you're the quarterback. Let's face it. You're <laughs> yeah. calling all the shots. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's that's it sounds simple. But marriages that have learned to do that, that that have they've learned to say, I'm glad we're different. And here's why I'm glad we're different. And here's how we create synergy between our differences. Those are the marriages that really progress and that really develop. And they're, by the way, they're also the marriages in which a person can really flourish. An individual can really flourish. The, the, the time when people are the least able to become their full self is when they're in a relationship that's always demanding that they be different than what they are, that always demands that, why don't you be more like me? And, and that stifles creativity. Yeah. It stifles individuality. It stifles uniqueness. Or why can't you be more like what I had in mind that you were going to be? Yeah, or why, yeah. why, why can't you just think like I do? I mean, it really is. You can get in a big trap in doing that because instead of wishing there were somebody different, it is so important to remember that the thing you love about them may be the thing that irritates you, but it also is the thing that's uh, making you a partnership and making you a, par- a good partner as you support your partner's differences. And I'm going to say without being personal um, or without being individually personal that you mentioned at the start, Linda, that we have eight children who are married and they all married. We think wonderful people. We're so grateful for our in-law kids. But the ones I'm going to make a general statement, see if you agree, the ones the marriages that are that are maybe having some difficulties um, are, are the ones where they haven't really learned the lesson of this show yet. They're, they're still wishing that their spouse could see the world a little more like they do and be a little more like the person they had in mind and their romantic notion before they got married and be a little more like them. And we need to get past that. Well, we need to go fix that. My gosh, what is the matter with us? Uh, Let's fix all those other. You know, we all go through those dips, you know, ups and downs. And um, I have spent a lot of time really angry at this man sitting next to me. And he has spent a lot of time being really irritated that I can't 
think more like he Don't does. you get it? Don't you see what I see? Don't you have the same perspective yeah. I do? Come on, what's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah. And I have to say that uh, we'll we'll do a whole show on this later, but it really is important to remember that the things that irritate you the most are the things often are the things that you love the most. So let me end with that challenge. Sit down, each of you individually, and, and make a little list of what your spouse is, what are the things you love most about him or her, and then turn the page over, and what does that person need, and how can you be the one to give that? Allow each other to be different, relish those differences, make them part of a wonderful teamwork in marriage. And good luck with that, and we'll see you again next time on Hires on the Road. 